Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is. It's a January 18th, Tuesday, January 18th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides and the winless skid, the second pronounced winless skid of the season is now unfortunately at eight games as the Flyers go down against the New York Islanders by a final score of four to one. And the frustration continues for the Flyers. The only goal they get in this game, Travis Konechny gets credit for it as he throws a puck across the offensive zone, hits off Zdeno Chara stick, and then hits off the shoulder of a Noah Dobson who is backing towards his net and is able to fool Ilya Sorokin. And that's the only goal the Flyers get. At the time, it made the game 2-1. to one. Flyers had a very good second period. A lot of good opportunities. Outshot the uh, Islanders 13-6 to six in that second period. Couldn't follow it up, though, in the third period. Down a goal. Ultimately, the Islanders go up 3-1 to one on a goal by Anthony Bavillier. And then they get an empty netter as well. Final score of 4-1. to one. Now, going back to the Bavillier goal. This is something Brian Smith and I talked to quite a bit about on the post-game show on the radio. And if you're looking for video of a microcosm of what the Flyers are right now, it would be this goal. First and foremost, it's Travis Sanheim and Ivan Provorov on the ice defensively for the Flyers. There ends up being a delayed penalty call, which doesn't come to fruition because the Islanders scored the goal when Bavillier popped it into the net. But when you have defensive partners that are changing quite a bit, and that's, that's happening a lot right now, as Mike Yo is trying to find the combinations to give this team success. And he actually broke up that combination saying, you know, those two guys got to be two of their best players on the ice, two of their best defensemen, but the chemistry is just not happening between those two players. And that happens. Sometimes players just don't have chemistry together, just like in any other sport. And those two just haven't seemed to have found it. And so he broke him up later in the game. But Travis Sanheim goes back on a puck and just doesn't get enough on it to get it to Provorov. It's a turnover. It ends up up the wall. Brock Nelson grabs the puck on the wall and then kind of tiptoes slash waltzes kind of to the net and creates an opportunity. And the puck eventually ends up on the stick of Bavillier and he's able to slam it home. But the problem with the play is there's a lot of elements here, but really they're all encompassing is that the Flyers didn't make it nearly difficult enough for Brock Nelson to get to that area of the ice and to get to the Flyers' net. Too much stick-checking, guys reaching in with their sticks, nobody being physical, watching the logo of the jersey, riding him out physically. And if you're going to go to that area of the ice, which is the slot or the house, a high-danger area right in front of the net, there's usually a price to pay for trying to get to that real estate. And there needs to be a very steep price to pay for the opposition players to get to that spot on the ice and to get to that spot on the ice with the puck. And there wasn't nearly enough of a price to play pay for Brock Nelson as he kind of shimmied by Ivan Provorov, who probably pulled up because he didn't want to trip him as his legs are coming in, so he has to kind of full stop. And then a couple of guys reaching in with their sticks. And ultimately, he's able to, like I said, waltz his way to the net, and it creates the opportunity, which Bavillier eventually bangs home. And teams, good teams with an identity, make those areas of the ice difficult to get to. 
they defend that area of the ice around the goaltender in the slot, those areas with incredible fervor. Because that if you can get the puck there and you can get bodies there, you will score goals. And you cannot allow that to happen. It's like infiltrating the inside of your house. You do everything you can to protect it. And the Flyers didn't do nearly enough in that situation to protect it. And we talked about a self-fulfilling prophecy for the Flyers not wanting to make a mistake, nervousness, nerves, and all of those things, words that Mike Yo used a couple of days ago in his press conference. And this is one of those situations where it's one play in a game, but it's a microcosm of where the team is right now. And you have to be a team that's difficult to play against. You have to be a team that defends that real estate. And they didn't do it. And that was a big goal. It puts the Islanders up 3-1 to one in the third period. Eventually, they get the empty net goal, make it 4-1, and the Flyers can't come back. Now, Ilya Sorokin was great in the game. Flyers had some great opportunities on the Islander netminder. Made some great saves, including the breakaway blocker save on Joel Farabee. And scoring has obviously been a huge issue for the Flyers. In the eight-game losing streak for the Flyers, this eight-game losing skid, they have averaged 1.875 goals per game. In the eight-game losing streak, the opposition has averaged four goals per game, exactly four goals per game. There's been 32 goals scored against, and there's been 15 goals scored for the Flyers. And again, that's a recipe to not win games. You have to average three goals consistently to be able to be a successful team in the NHL for the most part, unless you're getting stellar goaltending. There's outliers every season in that regard, and you look at the Rangers. They don't average three goals a game, but they're the second stingiest team at giving up goals, and Igor Shosturkin has been really good for the Rangers and has them sitting at the top spot in the division. But again, 1.875 goals per game, and they're giving up an average of four goals per game. And maybe the part that's even a little bit more dissatisfying is the teams that they've lost to in this eight-game skid. They've lost to San Jose twice. San Jose's a decent team, average, just a slightly over 500 team. 21-17-2 as we sit here right now. The Flyers lost to them twice, both in overtime. They lost to the Los Angeles Kings, who are 2014-5, playing probably a little bit better than a lot of people thought. They lost to the Kings. They lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins, a good team, 22-10-5. They lost to the Bruins, 22-11-2, good team. They lost to the Rangers, 25-10-4. And, and they lost to the Islanders, who coming into the game were 11-13-6. So it's not like these are the world-beater opponents that they faced earlier in the season in that 10-game winless skid when they lost to Tampa Bay three times, when they lost to Boston, they lost to Florida, they lost to Carolina. They lost to the Rangers. They lost to Colorado. Those teams are the elite teams in the NHL. Now, three of those teams, Pittsburgh, the Bruins, and the Rangers, are really good teams. But this hasn't been a murderer's row schedule, and they have an eight-game winless skid that they're riding once again. We're not at the midway point of the season. They've already had a 10-game winless skid from November 18th all the way until December 8th. Then they had the seven-game point streak. And now they haven't won a game in 2022. December 30th was the first loss in this eight-game winless skid against the San Jose Sharks on that road trip, right up until last night, January 17th, against the New York Islanders. Now they're back at it tonight against the Islanders at Wells Fargo. 
The other disheartening thing is in a couple of these situations where the Flyers have been in this winless skid, the 10-game winless skid, the one loss, which ended up being the last game that Elaine Vigneault coaches the Flyer, that December 5th game against Tampa, the 7-1 loss, that was one of those situations where the Flyers were catching the Tampa Bay Lightning in a good spot. They, they got Tampa in their fifth game in seven days, so much so that the, the line, the Vegas line on that game was even money. Tampa, obviously, a much higher pedigree team than the Flyers. But because five games in seven days is so difficult, and the Flyers were coming off three days without games into that game on that Sunday, that made it Vegas put an even money line on the game. Flyers lost that game 7-1. to one. Even the Ranger game the other night, they had the Rangers coming back game five of a five-game road trip, the first four games, all in California. Anaheim, LA, San Jose, all in California. And they come back east for one more game before their five-game road trip is over against the Flyers, and the Flyers don't win the game. The Rangers get the job done with a 3-2 win. Now, in the Boston game and the Ranger game, the Flyers played pretty well. Didn't play perfect, didn't have good starts in either of those games, but they were close hockey games, and you thought maybe they were moving in the right direction. Against the Islanders, they got off to a much better start. They got a shot 15 seconds into the game. Relatively, you know, average scoring chance from Oscar Lindblom that Sorokin made the save on. Uh, They had the first three shots of the game. They had periods in the first period where they really carried the play. The possession numbers in the first period were actually tilted in the Flyers' favor significantly, 57 to 43. But that moment where it's a 2-1 game and the play I talked about before where they let Brock Nelson waltz his way to the net is the moment of the game where it prevents them from having any chance to win the game. Sometimes it's at the very beginning. Sometimes it's the key moment, like a five-on-three, either for or against. And in this one last night, it was the moment when Brock Nelson was able to get to that real estate, not pay a price, and ultimately Anthony Bavillier gives the Islanders a 3-1 lead. Eventually, they get the 4-1 win. Now, real quick, I want to talk about the first two goals that the Islanders scored as well. The first one comes at 11.44 of the second period when Brock Nelson is able to beat. The first one comes at 11.44 of the second period when Brock Nelson is able to beat Martin Jones high glove. Martin Jones never saw the shot. Rasmus Ristolainen kind of provided a screen there as he's trying to kind of follow Josh Bailey, who drops the puck to Brock Nelson and then pivots to Rasmus Ristolainen's right, sets up like he has an opportunity for a one-time shot. So Ristolainen has to respect that. He kind of gets sideways, and it causes a screen of Martin Jones. Good shot by Nelson to read it perfectly as Jones is trying to look around the screen to the short side, which he's supposed to do, and it leaves that top part of the net open for Brock Nelson. The second goal by the New York Islanders comes at 14:28 of the second period, and it's credited right now to Casey Sezikis. We'll see if that gets changed. But Robin Sallow has the puck at the blue line as he walks the blue line. He's kind of stringing it out across the blue line with a flyer player, I believe Claude Giroux, out high, challenging him. Now, with Claude Giroux out high, with Claude Giroux out high and then a double-layered screen down low, two Islander players. It's Sezikis at the top and Yandel is on him. And then down by the net, it's Rasmus Ristolainen. And on him is Matt Martin. And two big bodies in Ristolainen and Martin. And then Sezikis and Yandel, and it's a perfect layered screen 
Martin Jones has to look around the screen. He looks to his left, and the puck eventually comes back and goes into the net on his right. Doesn't see it. A, he can't see the release. B, it's a layered screen, impossible to track, and it's deflected. That is a perfectly executed play by the New York Islanders. And I saw on social media a lot of people giving it to Rasmus and for the way that he was covering Matt Martin in front. I don't know what they want him to do, if they want him to leave Martin alone, but to me, this goal is not on Matt Martin. It's a great executed play by the Islanders. And when you're struggling to score, not that the Islanders are, but the Flyers are, show that video. Show the layered screen and the traffic that was around Martin Jones. There's also another Islander player there on that goal, sitting at the side of the net, waiting for a rebound. If it does get stopped, either by the goaltender, either by Jones, or if it hits Martin or Ristolainen or Sezikis or Yandel and just plops there, he's there to bang home a rebound. Perfectly executed. All those guys, again, in that area, the slot, and not paying enough of a price. Now, Martin and Ristolainen were going at it hard. And that's fitting when you look at both of those players. But that's a perfectly executed play uh, by the New York Islanders. So where do we go from here? That's the question, right? How do we maintain our sanity as Flyer fans, observers, analysts, whatever? How do we kind of maintain our sanity now mired in what is an eight-game winless skid after suffering through a 10-game winless skid that just ended not that long ago and a seven-game point streak in between? How do we not go crazy and let this ruin every day? That's the difficult part. And I'm trying to come up with an answer to that. And maybe we don't get an answer to, to that question until we get closer to the deadline. Because obviously, this team right now is lacking the, a positive identity that can lead them on some sort of charge to get back into the mix. It's not happening. In sports, nothing is impossible, but things can be incredibly improbable. And that's where we sit right now. We have to wrap our heads around that. We have to change our expectations because the expectations that we had after all the moves this summer, and look, some of, part of it is injuries, no doubt, but and COVID, but every team's dealing with COVID. But we have to change our expectations because as fans in sport, the only way to stay sane is to have expectations that are appropriate. And right now, we have to change any preseason expectation that we had any expectation that we had after 10 or 12 games. Things have changed and our expectation for what we were going to see night in and night out, game in and game out, have to change. We don't want to change them, but it's out of necessity that we do change them because our own sanity is on, because our own sanity needs to be preserved in some way, shape or form. And we just have to find something that we positive that we can get out of this season, whether that's seeing Morgan Frost play more and Cam York and other young flyer players, or when we get to the deadline, if there's moves and what they can acquire or how they can move forward. That'll all come in time, not the time that we want it to come as quickly as we want it to come, but we have to change our expectations or we're going to drive ourselves crazy. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. I know a lot of you are trying to figure out how to do that. It's not an easy answer, but that is the answer right now. The expectations right now need to change. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday. We'll talk to you on a brand new Flyers Daily coming up tomorrow. All the small things.